Blog Talk Radio. And good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're listening to the Pagan Show on Pagan Tonight Network. And tonight, for the third night in a row, we're going to be handling this off to the Mystical Mind Convention, which was supposed to be out in San Jose, California this week. But because of the evil coronavirus was canceled along with other things for no fault of their own. And they're going to be back with a live convention. But in order to give you an understanding and a taste, uh, Melanie, the uh, Marquis, who is actually the organizer, has, has, has accepted our invitation. And she's been – I'm so grateful to have her here to bring her people and her panel on. You've been listening to tonight. Thank you, everybody, for telling us how many uh, – how much they've really enjoyed it. And, uh, and here we go. Melanie, you're there, right? Hello. Hello, Ed. Hello, everyone listening out there. I'm the producer of the Mystical Minds Convention, and I'm excited to introduce you, you all tonight to um, some of our presenters that um, we have involved in our convention. Um, they're going to be sharing their wisdom tonight and just um, talking about lots of different things. We're hoping to discuss healing, you know, healing practices and techniques and and then later in the second hour, we're going to get into spirit communication and talking about different paranormal investigation techniques as well as things like mediumship. So I'm really excited to bring everybody on tonight and introduce you to some of these fabulous people. And our Victor first Furman is one of them. Yep. Victor Furman is our first individual that we have in the queue. Um, are Good you there, evening. Victor? There you go. Good evening. Good Hi, evening. Is Welcome. Virtual, is, this, is this virtual San Jose? <laughs> it's virtual Newark, California, technically, but it's virtual in the Newark, San Jose California. area. <laughs> <laughs> Melanie, it's so nice to be Bay speaking area. with you. Ed, thank you very much for doing this also. Yeah, no problem. I really appreciate it. And, um, and so, Victor, have... don't you... Go ahead. I was just going to invite Victor to tell us a little about himself. Well, Melanie, as you know, uh, I am just a poor boy, though my story is seldom told. I'm sorry, I'm channeling Paul Simon. Let me stop that and tell you who I am. So uh, I have been involved in some type of spirit contact and activity uh, since I was a kid. I had a grandfather who was a mystic and who spoke to me not like a child when he was in his 80s and I was five and six and seven years old, but as someone who would understand what he was talking about. And uh, my spiritual uh, life was put on hold. I uh, spent some time in college. I spent six years in the Air Force uh, with Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. And while I was stationed in Korea in 1975, uh, I contracted hepatitis B uh, from, of all things, dirty acupuncture needles. In those days, they didn't sterilize them pretty well. So in any event, uh, I was in the hospital, and uh, I was told by the doctor that I had a 1 in 10 chance of survival. And one evening, I asked him to bring me a copy of a, an anatomy book, and he said, why? I said, I just want to see what a healthy liver looks like, and I started studying this picture of a healthy liver. And gradually, my hands gravitated over my abdomen to the area of the liver, and I started feeling this wonderful warmth and tingling, and at some point, I guess I fell asleep. The next morning at 5 a.m., the nurse woke me up. And she took a blood draw from me, and two hours later she came back with this apologetic look on her face saying, we have to do it again, the lab messed up your blood. An hour later, the doctor came in and said, what did you do last night? And I said, why? 
He said, just tell me what you did. I said, well, I started visualizing a healthy liver and my hands gravitated over my abdomen. He says, I don't know what you did. You're crazy. But last night, your blood levels were such that we thought you were going to die during the night. And this morning, they're normal. And we've never seen anything like that happen. So you would wow. think that this would have that this would have made me uh, jump into some type of immediate uh, research into this, but I was nonplussed by it, and sort of went back spiritually to sleep until my late thirties, and then uh, through a wonderful series of synchronicities in my entire life. I know some of your guests were talking about synchronicities the other night. Carl Jung coined the phrase uh, synchronicity, saying that they were meaningful coincidences. Uh, coincidences. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe this is all for a higher purpose. And through a wonderful series of teachers, I wound up uh, facilitating guided meditation at yoga classes and then got involved in Reiki healing in the early 1990s. And uh, that became the spiritual accelerant. Uh, Later on, uh, I was uh, my wife and I. Uh, I met my wife uh, through the New Seminary of New York. We're both ordained interfaith ministers. We served as chaplains for the Red Cross after 9/11. And then, uh, about 15 years ago, I started getting involved with paranormal investigation teams. And uh, I am one of the persons who uh, works between the crossroads of science and spirituality. So I use both scientific investigation and also my 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 empathy and my ability to connect with spirit and communicate with spirit. And, uh, and then I've been doing a show on Ohm Times Radio for the last four years called Destination Unlimited, which, again, addresses the crossroads of science and spirituality. And I'm grateful, Melody, to you for allowing me to be a part of this panel tonight. Victor Furman, it's an absolute honor to have you on the show, and I'm just real excited to, um, to get to talk to you tonight. Uh, thank you for bringing you bringing your spirit to this wonderful discussion here. Um, Ed, do we, would you like to introduce anybody else? Is anybody else um, on board oh, sure. yet? Susan's with us. I'm here. Let's say hello. Let's say hello to Susan Langley, the owner of um, Light Weavers Metaphysical Boutique in Citrus Heights, California. Welcome, Susan. Hi, and thank you for having me. Um, how's everybody do, do, doing tonight? Doing great. Um, can you tell uh, us a little bit about your experience with um, healing and what type of um, healing practices? Sure. So um, I uh, I was raised by an, an interesting grandfather as well. My grandfather um, would often tell me that uh, he uh that we all got our family got dropped off here and that they'd be back to get us and i'm like i really never understood what he meant by that but um it's taken me quite a while to figure out what he meant by that um he was a very inventive person um he was also very much of a recluse but he um he kind of gave me a sense of there's something else that is hidden and that we should be seeking it and one thing that i remember um, when I was a very small child, and I've also I, I, I live next to the railroad track, so you may <laughs> the, rail, the the trains are coming through. So let me see if I can go inside for a minute. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, oh my god, I gotta go. So one of the things that happened to me when I was a kid, and I it, it comes to pass that this has a lot to do with what's happening now is that when I was like three or four, I went outside and I was looking up at the night sky. And I realized that the sky was full of big, big stars. I thought they were stars. But as I looked closer, I thought that they were 
they were some kind of ships. And I'm like, what is that? And this kind of plays in also the, you know, the off-planet off paranormal thing. And I did not understand at that point. I also spent a lot of time in dreams, and I could fly in my dreams. One of the things that I do in my dreams is I could teach other people to fly. And I'm thinking, like, what does all this mean? And I went, when I grew up, um, you know, I was born in 1953, so, you know, went through the whole Vietnam War thing, anti-war, hippie kid, went to college, um, became a teacher, and when I was uh, in 2011, I lost my I lost my teaching job, and because um, I'm also a witch, so I kind of Victor says he walks between science and and spirituality. I I walk between um, witchcraft and and spirituality and healing, and so there that is what I do. And so I lost my job because they didn't want a witch on teaching English, I guess. So what I did is I decided try to figure out what it is I wanted to do with my life. And I thought long and hard about becoming, you know, maybe a lawyer. But what I did do is I put myself in a massage, th- massage therapy school. And at 57, I became a massage therapist. And I also at the same time had an opportunity to become a Reiki master. And so ever since, and that's been, gosh, eight, eight years, nine years now. And so I... I have, in the space of that amount of time, gone from being a mild-mannered English teacher to um, a witch to owning a healing center in uh, Citrus Heights. And my form of healing is a meditative Reiki. And it, it's kind of a different sort of Reiki in that I've learned to... Um, access an entire, uh, I call it the landscape, but it's where you can go for whatever it is you need. And I'm perfecting something called what I call time bridge. And it's time bending. And there also, I work with, um, I don't work with angels, but I work with goddesses. I work with interplanetary beings and Jesus, which also showed up, which is weird for a witch, but um, he's also one of my guides. So it's been kind of a cool ride. And and my daughter's also, because you, you had her on last night, and it's, you know, she's also doing much the same kind of thing as me. And there's such a reawakening of um, witches and healers and everybody that needs to be awake right now. And so I'm really happy that I'm, I'm a part of that. So... Anyway, that's my story. Here I am. Well, it's an honor to have you join us tonight, Susan. Oh, thank you. I really, I'm really happy enjoyed to be here. what you had to say. Thank yeah, you. yeah. I think what you say is so. It just brings up, you know, why are we, why are we doing this convention, and why are we doing the show tonight? It's to, to you know, to help people out there to realize your own gifts and be able to you know, awaken to our own, uh, you know, our own abilities, our own greater potentials. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to have you on tonight. Melanie, if I could reach out to Susan for a second. Absolutely. Uh, I'm also a child of 1953. I also <laughs> had the experience of going outside and seeing things in the sky and I'm also what I call an experiencer. I believe in the contact. I know I had contact with uh, extraterrestrials oh, yeah. or extra 
or extra dimensionals. And I never considered it to be what people call abduction. I always considered it night school because whenever I came back, I knew something that I didn't know before. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know what it is about, about us old folks, but we, we were contacted. And I also <clears throat> recently remembered, you know, cause I love Facebook. It always pops up like, remember what happened to you seven years ago? So I also remembered I was contacted in 1982 and um, that also, you know, but it's like these things happen to you and you're going, what is I, is it I'm supposed to do with this information? You know, what, is, what, what does this mean to me? And it's, it's, it's not just for me, you know, because now, now I know because, you know, going into teaching, losing my regular teaching job, but also I'm still a teacher because this is what I do with my life is I teach Reiki, I teach healing, and it's beyond Reiki. It's, it's so much bigger than just Reiki, although Reiki is extremely cool. I think it's just, it's fascinating. But I'm so glad to hear that, Victor. You know, we, we need to and Absolutely. Reiki, Reiki was the foundation. Reiki was the foundation yeah. for me, and it's evolved into many other things. And consequently, also, uh, two weeks ago, uh, a week ago, rather, Friday, um, I was, uh, the expression is, furloughed from my job. I've been in the compressed no. gas and welding supply industry for 41 years. And a lot of what I've been doing the last 10 years is teaching and passing on yeah. the knowledge that I accumulated in that industry to young folks who are coming up in the industry. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. With the shutdown of um, all the businesses here in well, in Sacramento County, at least in all California, you know, I have a lot of time in my hands right now because, you know, we can't teach, we can't touch, we can't, um, we can't be in our, in our offices. We had to shut down our retail store, but we're looking for ways to still reach out to people. And, you know, because people are, they're really hurting right now because this is their, this is their spirituality. This is how they heal themselves. And, you know, ours is not, normal regular avenues of healing like you go to the doctor you know and ask the doctor to help you we you know it's completely different it's on a different scale entirely and uh, we are not what is considered essential but to my community you know i just had a phone call from one woman she says well i consider you essential because we're essential to the people that need us and you know so i'm gonna keep doing what i do you know because i i own a healing center and i have a lot of people with me that do much the same thing and we're all you know trying to figure out avenues ways to to reach who who we need to be reached by and it's it's and, it's and a challenge if, I'm, if i may offer i started using zoom i hadn't used it before and oh, zoom yeah. allows you to set up a meeting with several people you can have cameras on there and i'm facilitating yeah. meditation right now and healing that way and other things so yes thank you yeah, we're setting up our we're setting up our crystal healing. We're supposed to do it tomorrow night, but I think we're gonna have to put it out a couple of days. But yeah, we're we're doing Zoom, and um, I'm I'm going. Oh look, a way we can actually contact our our students, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. It'll it'll be different, you know. <laughs> I haven't done any online teaching since you know in about ten years, so this will be different, but. I'm glad these things exist. I I think there's reasons that we have a lot of technology that, you know, needed to be in place for now. And as those of us who work with energy know that energy comes in many different forms and can be transmitted and transferred in many different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. People, I laugh at people when they tell me that, 
you know, oh, um, am I doing this right? I went, well, are you doing it at all? You know, that uh, who, who, I don't, what is right? You know, Reiki will work no matter if you are, you know, a Reiki master or just, you know, Reiki one, as long as you're, if, if you are connected with the energy, it's going to work. There's a lot of intent. People laugh when I say, oh, you know, intent isn't enough. Sometimes intent is exactly what it is. And you don't have to do, you know, 10 years of, you know, sitting at the foot of the master. You can if you need to. Um, and I'm not saying don't, but I'm saying it's also important that you, you know, um, do what you can do. And in both spirituality and science, everything is energy and intention guides it. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm... Mm -hmm. So, Melanie, just let you know, we have uh, Jennifer with us. Oh, yes. Oh, let's welcome on Jennifer Medway. Hello. Welcome. Hello. It's an me? honor to have you on tonight. I can hear you. Yes, welcome. Okay. Um, so tell us a little about yourself. Thank um, you so much for being on. Uh, it's great to have you on here. Um, can you tell tell our listeners a little bit about you? Certainly. Um, well, first I'll talk a little bit about my ancestors, whom I always honor, honor and have, have led me on this journey. Um, my great-grandmother was a predictive astrologer, and she was a devotee of Yogananda, so she um, she definitely guided the um, spirituality of my grandmother and my mother and I. Um, I started pretty young in the esoteric arts. Um, my mom gave me my first tarot deck probably somewhere around eight, between eight and nine. Um, my mom also took me to botanicas in Mexico when I was really young, and I learned um, about brujeria and Mexican spirituality. Um, there and beginning to use candle work. Um, but I didn't start learning about like witchcraft until um, I was about 15. Um, but I've been doing this for a very long time. And um, I'm a Reiki master. I'm initiating Sansei, uh, which is Puerto Rican Voodoo. Um, I'm also a root worker and uh, Oh, I forgot to mention that one of my mother's cousins uh, was a professional root worker. My mother uh, was raised in Louisiana, and a lot of my family is from Louisiana and practice hoodoo and conjure. And uh, one of my mother's cousins, Maybelline, uh, was a professional root worker, and locals referred to her as the swamp witch. So I have a, a pretty diverse background, um, and uh, I'm very grateful for my ancestors for introducing me to all of the spirituality that I practice today. Um, I have uh, studied with a lot of the best um, practitioners in my field internationally, including Hungan Hector, uh, Yaya Maria, Tishoan, uh, Christopher Penzak. And, uh, but I also study, besides um, like African traditional religion and Hindu root work, I'm also, um, I also do different healing modalities, like I'm a Reiki master, uh, I'm an access bars practitioner, and I'm really excited about a new healing modality that I'm learning um, with uh, quantum techniques and healing solutions um, that was created by Beth Daniel Jones. And uh, I, I have gone through my own healing journey uh, recently, a year and a half 
um, I took a medication that I had a really extreme allergic reaction to, and I ended up in the ER, and I wasn't sure I was going to make it. Um, so I had these chem- after that reaction, I had chemical sensitivities, and uh, thankfully I found uh, Beth, and um, she taught me about her technique, um, which uh, diagnoses is physical diagnoses is di- <laughs> diagnoses physical, emotional, and spiritual ail- ailments. Um, so she works at a distance, and uh, she teaches that um, the body and, uh, and many other practices teach that the body is meant to self heal. Um, but she helps remove blockages, especially from trauma. Um, so I've been learning a lot how trauma um, keeps the body from seeing illness and being able to heal it. And I had a lot of childhood trauma that I had dealt with. And then I'm feeling a lot better now. And so I'm really grateful to be learning this new modality. Um, um, besides that, I'm also... Pardon? And so welcome, welcome on the show, and thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. I'm so grateful to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you on. Has Nicholas joined us yet? Um, Ed, do we have anybody else on? I want to. We do. I'm anxious um, to loop that. everybody in and in, introduce everybody so we can okay, so I'll get our conversation rolling. <laughs> Here we go. We'll see what we can do. Okay, here we go. I believe Marcus is here, as well as Megan and Charles. And Nicholas was, uh, was here, but I don't, I don't see him at the moment. Let's see. Uh, Megan, Charles, are you here? Hello. Yo. Okay. Hi, welcome. Welcome. We're honored to have Megan DeAmore and Charles Ho on the, our program last night, and they're here joining us again tonight. Hello out there in the airwaves. Hi, how good are to you? Have you on. Yeah. Um, so, um, so can you just... Re- go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to ask you if you could just briefly tell our listeners about what kind of healing practices you do. Sure, absolutely. Or what, what um, you're... Yeah. What are uh what our main practices that we do most often is called Galder. Uh it utilizes uh ancient runes, Norse runes, specifically the Elder Futhark. Uh the Elder Futhark is an alphabet. Uh for those of you out there in the audience, if you'd like to have a visual for these symbols, it's two words, elder is obvious and then Futhark is spelled F-U-T-H-A-R-K. So it's real easy to Google, and if you just click on images, you'll see all kinds of pictures that will show you the runes. There are 24 of them. So it's not that long. It's slightly shorter than the English alphabet, and they're pretty simple, similar to Latin letters that we use in the English alphabet. So what we do in Galder is we just start by making the symbol in the air. Just use your finger. It's very, very easy. And then we verbalize while we're drawing it and send it to somebody. So as an example, Charles and I would like to send some healing to a friend of ours so that you can kind of hear how that works. It's very easy. It doesn't take much time at all. 
So we're going to send the rune uh, Yara and the rune Alhaj to our friend Kitty, who has uh, a wound on her leg that has been taking a long time to heal. And um, so we're going to send it north from where we are, which you can't see me, but just assume we're facing north, Charles and I. And uh, because we're in Fremont and she's in Hayward, which is basically north. We're going to draw the runes in the air with our fingers. Ready? Yeah. Yeah. And while we were doing that just now, you notice it doesn't take any real time at all. That's the wonderful thing about Galder. It can also be done obviously from quite a distance. I've sent Galder to New York where I have relatives from here in California and it does help. Um, so one of the things that is great about it is that you can do it remotely. You can do it with not much time. Anybody can do it. Uh, the energy uh, vibrations created by Galder tend to move the energy, the chi, whatever you would like to, term you would like to use for that to the person. And while you're doing it, it really helps to visualize the person that you're sending it to. If you're sending it to, say, a relative of a friend or a friend of a friend who you don't know what they look like, you can still do it. What you want to do is you visualize your friend or relative, the person you do know, and have in your mind what relationship that person has to the person in need of the Galder, and you can send it through them to the person who needs it. So it's really very amazing. Um, I love doing it in person. Right now that's not possible. Uh, when we do a Galder circle in our, in our kindred, um, the whole kindred gathers around 15, 20 people, and we put whoever needs the galder in the middle, and we all aim it at them. You can really feel it in the room. It's very powerful. So that's that's one of yeah. our methods, right, Han? Yes. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing that. It's great to have yeah. these healing abilities to be able to help each other and send each other good energy like that to heal each yeah. other with. In addition, we actually being on tonight. Thanks. Yeah. In addition, we actually study Reiki as well. Uh, I'm a practitioner. I combine it with traditional Chinese energy healing. Uh, I utilize the movement of chi in order to take the pain out of people, and I also am able to use Reiki to heal from a distance uh, with one spell called uh, that's intoned with Horn Shonen. and I use it very frequently to help people that I know like all the way from all across the globe, including my relatives that live in China. So that's the other form of healing that I use along with Megan here. Nice. It can go great distances. I do think healing power is something that can transcend the distance for sure. Well, welcome to the show, Charles. And who else have we got with us yet? You said Marcus was here. Let's say hello to Marcus Keys. Are you there, Marcus? I don't think he's here. Hello, he's everybody. Us again. 
Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. You've got everybody. Oh, hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Um, Hi. So I want to get this discussion going here. Um, uh, so we're excited to welcome everybody on. Um, uh, who do I have with with me right now that just said hello? I'm sorry. <laughs> Susan, I'm here. I just said hi again. Oh, Susan, okay. I thought we had somebody else joining us. So sorry about that. Yeah, well, I'm just excited to have everybody on. Um, our time is going so fast as everybody is so interesting. I'm super excited to get um, more into these conversations about healing. So anybody listening out there, if you want any more information about our lovely guests that are on tonight, please go to mysticalmindsconvention.com and bios and their contact information if they have a website or social media so you can learn more about our lovely presenters that are on with us tonight. Um, so I want to get right into asking, asking you um, getting, just getting into some questions about healing. Um, Victor, what would you say um, is the, can you describe what? how would you describe the power of healing? Like where does that power come from? What is this force that we're utilizing when we talk about doing healing? Well, those of us who practice Reiki uh, believe that, uh, and actually, we don't believe, we know that this is a universal energy. It comes from the universe. It comes from everything, from all of life, from all of creation, and that the energy is not coming from us, but through us. We're channeling the energy through us for the highest good of the person that we're working on. We may not know what that highest good is, and that person's healing journey may have some, nothing to do with what we're doing, but we do it for the highest good. And in that way, whatever energy we're transferring, we're channeling, uh, is for that person's highest good, whatever that might be. I want to share a quick story about something that happened about 20 years ago. I was invited to take part in what they called a Reiki marathon, which was literally from 8 o'clock in the morning till 8 o'clock at night, uh, this uh, person was on a table and people, Reiki practitioners and masters of all degrees were coming in and out and working with this woman. I had never met her before. The only thing I knew about her was her first name and that she had ovarian cancer. And this has to do with working with the energy and the energy giving us information, feeding us back. I don't call myself a medium, but I do get information. And in the process of working with this woman, I started scanning her abdomen and I got two names, and I asked her if those names meant anything to her. And she said the names were her son and her husband. And I said, do you feel some type of a disconnect with them? And she started crying. And in essence, what this information was telling me and what she then shared with us was that she had felt abandoned by her husband and her son, and that's when the cancer had started. So we all worked to that end, and that information was helpful. And she had a remission of that ovarian cancer about two weeks later. Oh, that's wow. great. That's awesome. Um, Ed, do we have anybody else that's joined us? I want to make sure we've got everybody introduced here. Is anybody Everybody's else on the line? Everybody's okay, been introduced. Um, I have right. nobody. All the mics are open. Well, Everybody's there. Um, all I ask is that people, yeah. um, if you've got any speakers around in the back, please turn them off. But otherwise, yes, you've got your whole team, and it's an amazing team. I would ask the other members of the panel if they've had comparable experiences where information has come which has been helpful for the person they were working with. Well, I would say I could, I could actually 
talk about that, um, if you if you will, because um, Victor, I work. I was just talking. My daughter just walked in, and I said, "Oh my God, he works the same way I do." Because since I started, since I started doing Reiki, and I'm able to, I don't. I also do not call myself a medium. I um, I get information. You know, the massage therapist. I I've learned that if I start touching someone's head. I get an immediate connection with all their emotions, sometimes past lives, sometimes things that are going on with them, and I will get the information also. And so people, I, I have been able to um, access what's, you know, going on with them, and I'm, I'm told different things. I don't know who exactly is doing the telling. Um, sometimes it's their own spirit guide. Sometimes it's mine. Sometimes it's just one of their ancestors coming in and saying, this person needs to know this information. And this is the type of thing that I do is that I will heal them from their physical or their emotional. Um, and I, I use heal. I will say that, you know, people go, Oh, are you, how do you heal people? Well, I don't heal anybody. Reiki heals them. They heal themselves. They hit the reset button. However you want to look at that. I'm I'm not too caught up in terms because um, I think that 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 isn't really very useful. But I can tell what it is they're going to need. I will take them to a place that they can um, either connect with that energy, connect with that with that person. Um, like you said, Victor, um, that you know, there's if people are having problems with their connecting with their own family or there's something that's bothering them, that that literally is going to eat away at them. And the way that the way that the human body gets eaten away is, is um, the trauma of, of cancer, the trauma of, you know, because we, we open ourselves up to this. We open ourselves up to being sad that we don't know what else to do with ourselves. And so our body just goes, well, okay. But I think that we have an ability to, to also heal ourselves. Once we realize that that is what's happening and once we, I'm able to connect them with the healing energy that they need, which is always found within themselves, um, the forgiveness that they need to forgive themselves, and then move on from that and say, okay, I am able to deal with this. This is something that I've been not dealing with. This is something I'm willing to deal with now, and it's always going to be put back on them. But what I will say about that is that some people aren't willing to do that. Some people are not willing to take any of, to do the work. They're not willing to look at themselves in such a harsh light. And sometimes it, you know, people expect Reiki to be like a a one and done, and it is not that. It is, it is hard work. It is looking at the root of the problem. It is looking within their soul. It's looking at their past lives, even their future lives, things that they've, you know, written social contracts or, you know, soul contracts about. And um, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm honored to do the work, but people honestly have to do the work themselves. And uh, that's scary. And so I try to, I try to be there for them, you know, the, the emotional the emotional part is the very human part, and that's that's my job is to walk them through that. So that's that's my take on it. 
To your point, Susan, um, there's a relatively new science called epigenetics. And what Hmm. it basically says is DNA can be modified by emotions and by trauma. And that rather than, yeah, rather Mm -hmm. than mutation through, I'm sorry, rather than mutation through exposure to some substance or something like that, it's internal and emotional. But talking about wanting to be uh, part of the healing process, a little four-line poem came out of me about 20 years ago and says, there are those who choose to suffer and this will be their fate. There are those who ask for deliverance and often much too late. There are those who ask for, key, ask for healing but are unwilling to take part. For those who truly want this change are ready in mind and heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, beautiful. that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. That's very nice. Thank you. Like um, that. My experience in my own practice has been that knowledge is always helpful. And I do pick up things too, but I think it's important to keep in mind that when we're healing someone, knowledge of the human body can only help. I myself took two semesters of anatomy and physiology. I spent a whole year studying the human body and the body systems in a formal educational context and uh, at a, um, uh, an accredited school at a college. And um, I think that that knowledge of understanding the human body really helps when you are healing someone because you can do energy healing to a person's highest good. You can definitely do that. And when you don't have enough knowledge of that person or of their problem, that is all you can do. But a deeper level of healing, I believe, can be achieved if you can connect on a very deep level by understanding that person, their background, where they're coming from, what their physical symptoms are, what the scientific diagnosis they have is, and what their body systems are doing because of that diagnosis. Would you agree, Charles? Yeah, I agree. In addition, a way to siphon energy, usually people just simply take energy from the surrounding area and environment, usually channeling it from sources. I mean, uh, the Western system, I believe, is using the, what is it, like the five elements, fire, earth, four four elements, fire, four in the West. Fire, earth, water, air, and, you know, using those sources to replenish the target or the patient's body. And healing works similarly to that, although sometimes you can draw the energy from yourself and transplant it over to another person, similar to how blood transfusions or organ donations work. Although it's not a permanent thing like with an organ donation, but it's a way to give some energy to a person in order to press on for a little bit longer Maybe it's a permanent thing. Maybe it's something that'll just help. No, you it's not permanent. I've seen you recover too many times. But, you know, you really want to be careful when you do that. Um, using your own energy is an option, and it's an option that is often discouraged by energy healers. But it is an option, especially if it's somebody very close to you, and you're very careful not to give more energy than you can. You know, keep enough for yourself that you can continue 
help that person or care for them. But if you're, if you have, say, an elderly relative living with you or a small child who is sick, it's okay to take a little of your extra strength and give it to that person. Absolutely. Jennifer, what's your take on all this? Do you, um, what, do you have anything to share about um, what can people do to, to try to heal others and themselves? How are these gifts developed? And what would somebody do if they wanted to, wanted to heal? Sure. Um, well, I, I work with some of the same modalities as uh, the others in the show. Uh, I am a Reiki master, and uh, but I also work with spirits. And um, I am I am a medium. Um, I do speak with spirits. I hear some spirits speak. Some spirits, um, like Santa Morte, I will see like a screen and she'll show me things. Um, like recently for my own healing, I had some challenging allergies when I came back to California, though I'm from here, and I prayed to Santa Morte. And I saw her touch my face, and then my allergies were immediately gone. Um, so uh, I also work um, with the Lua since I'm initiated in Sanse. And uh, initiation can also help with healing if that is one's path. So there are many different paths to healing. And um, I, I really want to impress upon people if one modality hasn't worked, it doesn't mean that you can't heal. There are so many ways to heal, and there are so many ways uh, for each one of us. Um, and it, we each have our own journey. And what one modality that may work for one may not work for another. Um, or we're meant to go through a spiritual tradition uh, or traditional religion. It's really uh, individual. So, of course, Reiki does help and does work in, from anything from relaxation to miraculous healing. But... Um, I, I am very grateful to have learned many of these traditions and um, to use them for different people. Um, I, I do receive messages that have helped people um, in different ways, whether um, the spirits will give me um, a thought or show me something on the screen or speak to me directly. Um, but uh, I, another spirit, um, in Sanse, we have a Sanation division of healing spirits. And um, one of them is uh, Dr. Jose Hernandez. And uh, something simple people can do can have a picture of him and with a glass of water and put it um, on a table with him with a white tablecloth and pray to the water and leave it on the altar and then drink it the next day for healing. Um, there are just so many different folk medicinal practices um, besides Reiki or other ones that we know. Um, you know, there are herbal practices, and um, I've learned a lot about many of them. And I, I, I do what's best for a person, um, depending on what the spirits say that I should do. Um, I don't specifically say I have to use a certain modality for anyone. Um, it's how the spirit guides me. And that's that's how my practice is. Nice, nice. Yeah, there's so many different. There's lots of different different means and methods. Hi, Melanie. Um, so I'd like to hey. Hi, hey, it's Marcus. Uh, if I may interject, I haven't had a time to actually um, speak. Oh my goodness! I didn't know you you were with us. Oh, I'm yeah. so sorry. We, Welcome, we Marcus Keys. Yesterday, but forgot today. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, Marcus, welcome. Welcome back. Yeah, and 
And then there was Marcus. <laughs> Hi. So um, uh, thank you. Uh, really, oh, just really quick. I'm just going to go through my um, my uh, titles. I guess I could say so. Um, so my name is Marcus. Uh, I go by Marcus Keys. My uh, practice basically is I'm a student, a dedicated student of Anderson Ferry under Tommy Starchild, who is also one of the presenters for the uh, Mystical Minds Conference. My background basically is with more folk magic, and also um, I am attuned to uh, Reiki Level Two. And um, other than what I've been doing, um, but what has been calling to me right now for healing practices is more regarding ancestor reverence. Um, I, one of the other speakers mentioned that, you know, we do have uh, traumatic memories in our blood uh, from ancestors or uh, from family members. And right now what has been calling to me is really just, you know, if it's, if it's part of your practice or whether it's not, you know, we have we have had ancestors who have been through something similar currently right now, or who have been through traumatic experiences, and we may have we may be relieving them um, in our day to day day to day lives, being in similar situations right now. Um, actually, and in previous like work that I've done with clients, um, is basically calling to the folks right now who have been through those traumatic experiences, who have been through wars, who have been through domestic violence, who have been through traumatic experiences, and if, if by the time that they have died, if they have been, if they have worked through them, if they have, or if they have not, just to ask for their healing, ask for their guidance right now at the same time, and, um, along with asking them for direction and guidance. Um, I have um, I have doctors, I have military folks in my ancestral lineage, and folks have been very quiet right now, but I'm currently lighting a candle every week for them, for their for their reverence, for their healing, for their guidance, for their messages, and also giving them a glass of water to maintain that connection, to also give them something to quench their thirst and understand that they are remembered. Um, one of the things, and even this week's reading um, that I've offered to folks is not only just to reach out to our elders, but also reach out to the ancestors who have been through um, traumatic experiences and who have been through times where there are they have to isolate, they have to ration, they have to look for healing practices in order for us to live through that memory that's in our blood right now so we can move forward, we can find that healing that we need currently. That's, That's so yeah. wonderful. I, yeah. I'm sorry, Melanie. Um, I do have a, a story about ancestor healing that's very similar to what Marcus is talking about, if I may. Um, I was driving through the Black Hills in South Dakota, and I had a young relative with me, uh, a, a young girl. She was maybe 12 then, I think. And, um, uh, she was in my custody temporarily. I was, I was taking her on a trip because I had driven from New York to the West coast for, uh, for an archeological dig I was working on. And, um, I offered for her to go with me because it was summer and she didn't have any school and it got her out of her parents' hair. So, you know, it was mutually beneficial for everybody. Well, uh, we were driving back, and we were in the Black Hills of South Dakota. Like I said, it's a very, very spiritual place, uh, a place connected just so deeply 
with the ancestors of a land, the ancestors that had been living on that land for thousands and thousands of years, and just this immense energy spot there. Uh, I highly urge anybody who is listening right now, if you can visit there, it's a wonderful place. Um, but anyway, we, we stopped at this tiny little motel for the night. We were right near Mount Rushmore and the Indian Museum of the Americas and the Crazy Horse Museum, which is right near it, uh, the Crazy Horse Memorial, sorry. And we had stopped at this little motel for the night, and we went and we had some dinner, and then we came back to the hotel, and we were watching some TV, and she just got so sick. She she must have ate something off. I'm not quite sure what exactly she had, but it was definitely respiratory. She started coughing. She was wheezing, and she already has asthma. So I gave her her nebulizer machine, and I gave her some medication, but it didn't really help, and usually it does. You know, you give albuterol to an asthmatic, they're going to feel better. But even though we had the machine and not just an inhaler, it wasn't working. She just got worse and worse. She couldn't breathe. Um, We were in the middle of nowhere, and she didn't have any medical insurance at the time. And even though she didn't, I tried calling 911, but I was told that it would be three hours before an ambulance could get to where we were. And uh, that's how remote uh, the, the little roadside motel we were at was. And so uh, I, I hadn't learned Galder yet. I hadn't learned any Reiki yet. But I got down on my knees as close to the ground as I could, and I prayed. And I said, ancestors of the land, I can feel your magic here in the Black Hills. Please heal this child. She is in my custody. And I I don't know what I'll do if she dies tonight. So... Please, I am asking you, I will fulfill the bargain. I will make offerings to you. I will remember you. I will do whatever you call me to do in return. But please heal her. And I just prayed for several hours over her, and she got better. After a while, I could see her breathing return to her. You know, this whole episode talk about five hours, but they did. They healed her, and the next day she was fine. By morning, she didn't have, I mean, she she clearly had something that was bad enough that I would definitely diagnose it as pneumonia, but by morning, she wasn't even sick. I mean, it was was amazing. The ancestors there healed her. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Marcus, I wanted to ask you, um, Marcus, what would you say are um, things that can create a block to healing? Do you think that there's things that we can do if we feel like we're, you know, somehow closed off to that healing energy? Um, what are some things people can do to help uh, help open up and help welcome welcome that healing energy into their bodies? Hmm. I I would say um all right, can you all hear me? Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Um well that's the thing. Um 
as we said, as I said um, on the first night that we did our blog talk, um, magic begins with you. Healing begins with you. Uh, I feel if, if it was more of an acknowledgement that there is something going on and you're wanting to try something new, um, a different approach uh, from a professional, that, that it begins there. Um, blockages, whether it's, whether it's personal or whether it's not personal, I, in my case, in the, in the experiences that I've had with other people that I've worked with, sometimes, yes, it is through some of the ancestral stuff that we have to deal with. Um, you know, I have, I have ancestors that have, I personally do not have um, challenges with alcohol or any other drugs um, or anything like that, but if there was, I do have ancestors that have actually had that in the past. Um, also, uh, ancestors with depression, cancer, things like that. It begins with us and acknowledging, you know, where where the blockage is. You know, if there is um, something within our body, you know, asking folks and working with those uh, spirits, working with those um, allies, ancestors within our blood, but also of if they are part of the land that we work with or the land that our family is from as well, so asking for that healing or what can, you know, what is it that they need to heal and how um, to, to um, piggyback onto my teacher, you know, Anytime that there is a challenge with an, um, with somebody, if they if they're in crisis, what do you need and how can I give it to you? Is the question you should ask. Um, you know, even reaching into our body, listening to the messages that our body is telling us. You know, what is it that you need and how can I get it to you? It's usually something very simple. Sometimes it could just be very uh, comforting, um, a, a, a bath is very um, very common, and also just to um, you know, even acknowledge that we just need to have water touching our skin to wash away the things that are um, that are that we've attached that have attached to us that we picked up over the over the course of our day sometimes too. Melanie, if I can follow up on Marcus's comments. Yes, please. Um, I put myself into the category, and I'd be curious as to the rest of the group tonight, the rest of the panel. Um, there's an old concept, the myth of the wounded healer. And for me, the concept of healing came when my, uh, I took part with my mom, uh, starting from the time that I was eight years old, in caring for my dad, who was very sick. He passed when I was 15. And I never felt loved by him until I became part of his healing and caring team with my mother. And that wired in me this concept that if you care for people, if you heal people, if you give love, then you will be loved in return. And I'm just wondering if anyone else on the panel has had a similar experience. I can yeah, speak to that. Um, I certainly have. I can um, speak to that as well, Victor. Go ahead. So I'm actually working with Megan right now, who is actually very sick with pneumonia. It's not, it's not, it's not the COVID, but I'm helping her actually recover from a leg injury that she suffered while um, while we were out, and in doing so, I think it's been bringing us closer together. Yeah, it's it's definitely doing that. Um, you know, and uh, we were close as a couple before, but I think as a couple, uh, now let me fill in just a little bit of the blanks here. I, I fell on a hardwood floor. I slipped on some water and uh, my ACL tendon, that's the uh, 
anterior cruciate ligament in my left knee is missing. And it's really right in the center of the knee, connecting the lower leg bones to your femur, your upper leg bone, your thigh bone. And so the knee is now unstable, and I walk with the cane because of that. I'm supposed to get surgery, but I have to get better first, and obviously the COVID pandemic has to end. But in the meantime, Charles is working with me, healing me to uh, to try to give me stability on the leg. And and I think it's brought us just so much closer. Susan, you were going to address this also? I, I was, thank you. Well, um, I, I think the idea of the wounded healer is, um, um, you know, I had my own challenges early uh, going to school in, in Chico in the 70s, you can well imagine. But, you know, people need 12-step programs, but I seem to have overcome a lot of the things that some of my best friends died of. And I was able to do that just by really, I, I, I felt like at the time it was force of will, but I really do think it was because I have some help. I think I have some, I'm dedicated to uh, the goddess Hecate. I'm also dedicated to Freya. And so I am reaching out to others all the time saying I need help. But I also think we're put here to help those that need us most. And I think that um, visit Megan just was talking about that um, and you know that she's also being helped by someone my daughter Julia when she was 17 fell and broke her back and I have changed careers many times uh, you know becoming a, a teacher so that I could homeschool her becoming a massage therapist so that I could help her becoming a Reiki master and she also becoming a Reiki master um, in order to understand, like you were talking about earlier, understand the needs of the human body, looking at what needs to happen, and then working with spirit, working with gods and goddesses, working with whatever it is. And she also, I found when she was three years old, told me that she was not from this planet and that I was had been her mother over and over. So, you know, all of this stuff is not, it's not separate from one another. I am not, you know, the mother of a, of a star being and also, you know, a dedicated witch to Hecate. Those things are the same thing to me. And being a Reiki master is, is the same thing to me. And being shown how to heal the earth, the individual people um, by using my time bridge meditation, by reaching out to all different times, the Hoshazi Shonen and the Karina symbols that I use, which are even beyond that, learning how to access the energies that are available for us to use if we'll only do it. But also, you know, the wounded is not just ourselves. It's, it's our, our, like I was saying, you know, our, our, close, our close friends, our close family, and doing the work by, by dedicating myself to healing my daughter. And, you know, she's sitting right here, by me today, you know, doing much the same work that because we do it together now. And so I think these are the important things to learn that, you know, why are you doing something and is it, is it harming you? No, it's helping, it's helping everyone. So anyway, that's, that's and as people, uh, and as, 
Susan, as, as people of our generation remember the Moody Blues song question from 1970, which became my personal anthem when I was 17 <laughs> and I heard it for the first time, there's a wonderful yeah. line that says, when you stop and think about it, you won't believe it's true that all the love you've been giving has all been meant for you. And it has been true. Aww. Aww. Kevin, I, I think I've met you before. You, you do light weavers, right? Yeah, I L- have. Light weavers are, again? Yeah. yeah, I was yeah. there with uh, Diana Paxson around Pagan Pride Day doing saves. Oh, Megan? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've actually met before. And that just oh, occurred so to me when you were talking about your daughter. And I'm oh, like, oh, yeah. my God, duh. It's a small so, world, yeah. isn't it? It's a really small, small world. world. Yeah. I, I feel like we're all being brought together, too, is that, you know, like with this program and with things like Pagan Pride and just meeting each other and saying, wow, I know you. You know, meeting, I am honored because I get to know Tommy Starchild, and I get to meet the authors, and I get to know all these people, like Christopher Penzak going to Pantheacon was like, you know, such an eye-opener, but, and now it's gone, but we'll have other things coming, but just, it's bringing all the healers together, it's bringing the witches together, it's bringing the healers together, and this is what Melanie's vision is, and I am so happy to have met her, too, because I'm, I'm just honored to be, to be counted, you know. And, and to be here and to help. And I, it's important. It's super important. It's not about just us. It's about, well, right now it's about the whole damn world. But, you know, I guess Absolutely. we're going to have to work on that. Absolutely, so yes. Community. Community yeah. is so important right now in these trying times with the COVID pandemic, with everything that's going on, people dying, I think that the community that we have as pagans has become so much more important than it ever was, but is really there and the community of healers to to help the world, to put a model of how people can stay connected, uh, work together, even while we're all isolating. And, and the scientific data is is very clear that we really have to have a minimum of 60 days of self-isolation in order to stop the spread of the virus. But while we're doing that, we can still connect, just like Melanie has wonderfully given us the opportunity to do right now. I want to take this opportunity to thank you, Melanie, for doing this for us, for helping us to build community and add the pagan for his show and, and allowing mystical minds to change mediums. And um, thank you both so much for having us. Thank Absolutely. you so Thank you so much. Thank you for being on tonight. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, this show shows me how important our convention is and how you know, this is exactly what I want to achieve is networking and making these connections. So, it's an honor to have you on. Our time is running so fast. We need to slow down time. Everybody out there, focus your minds. Let's <laughs> slow do down that. the time because we, we are that, already you know, on our second hour. <laughs> yeah, so we are already into our second hour here, which means that we're going to switch over to the topic of 
spirit communication and including paranormal investigation techniques, mediumship, um, things like that. Um, so I want to thank everybody that um, participated in the healing discussion, and you're welcome to, to stay on and join for our spirit communication talk. I wanted to did want to check in with Ed real quick. I know we have some different guests that um, are here to talk about spirit communication, so I wanted to see Ed if anybody uh, else joined us here tonight. Everybody's mic is open, so um, I've actually gotten kind of, you had so many people I've gotten kind of confused. Um, yeah, but everybody's mic is kind of open, so uh, thought, I mean, I mean, has any, has anyone else called in? Uh, Drake, um, are you hello, here? Melanie. Is anyone? Oh, hello, Melanie. Hello, Drake, you're hello. here. <laughs> Hi. I knew my friends hello. were out there in the world. <laughs> hello, yeah, welcome. I'm calling well. in from California. My name is Tiffany Turner. Tiffany Turner. All right, I've got everybody here. Okay, so we've got Tiffany Turner, Tom yeah, Starchild, and Drake Fury. Yeah, and I was going to do a discussion about. Um, the equipment. Yeah, yeah, it's an honor to have you on. I'm really excited to have everybody on tonight. Um, so let's just get to it. I'm Tiffany Turner. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and share with us, if you will, some information about paranormal investigation and the types of equipment. Okay, um, I work out of a um, a spiritual um, healing store that is in SoCal, California. It's called Avalon Visions. And so the owner um, wanted to start a paranormal investigation group. So she had an open meeting and people who were interested. And a couple of people came, including myself. And we have a small little group, but um, we have been starting to do investigating of the store itself, which um, we were wondering if it was haunted or not. And um, we also went to some local um, cemeteries. uh, Hello? Hello? Yes. Whoa. Oh, there's some crazy noise right now. I don't know where that's coming from. Oh, everybody yeah. else here is okay. <laughs> All right, I, I can get back to talking or? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. All right, and so um, we went to also the local cemetery, and um, we were using positive energy and actually talking to the spirits and using equipment. We used a spirit box. We took video with a night vision camera. Um, we've used, um, we have apps that we actually use on our phones too. And um, just trying to use the equipment along with our own, um, I guess you could say, abilities. She's a medium. And um, I know that I have sensitivities. Mostly I can feel spirits. Sometimes I can hear them too. And so in that way, we've gathered different evidence. Um, I've made a video that I was going to show at the conference, um, but it is available on YouTube through the Avalon Visions um, website. Um, If you go to avalonvisions.com, you can go to their channel and see it. It's about eight minutes of the different evidence we caught investigating the store. And there's orbs. I got some um, voices through the spirit box. And uh, it's kind of similar to what you watch on some of the investigating shows, too, because um, when you're using the equipment and everything, um, the shows are one way that you can learn from um, how to communicate through the equipment. And um, I've also gone to cons, and I'm also the con that I was going to go to in May has been postponed, luckily, to August, but it's called Paracon. 
and it's in Virginia City. Um, there also were some investigators at um, Silicon Valley Comic Con called the Ghost Finders, and so um, so you kind of learn from other people who are also paranormal investigating. <coughs> so it, it's a nice, um, I guess you could say it's a small community of people who have sensitivities who also use equipment to go along with what they already can um, feel is already there. And then other people so who don't have Can you tell me a little bit more about this equipment? Um, one of the main things that I found, um, it's called an SB7 spirit box. And you see that used a lot on different investigation shows um, like Ghost Nation, um, Ghost Adventures. Um, I actually did an investigation tour on the Queen Mary with um, Nick Groff, which is, uh, he used to be on Ghost Adventures, and he was on Paranormal Lockdown, too, um, for a little bit. He had that show. And he is now doing his own tours where he brings investigators together and they go around and investigate. And so that was just phenomenal. <laughs> I got to stand next to him as EVPs were caught, and I could ask questions, and then we'd play it back. And on the digital recorder, we would hear um, ghosts talking back. Uh, and basically what I asked, um, we were in the boiler room, and the the person across from me um, asked the year, and I asked if the if anybody needed any help and when Nick played back the digital recorder it it said when I said do you need any help there was a male voice that said yes I do and he sounded really irked that I was answering <laughs> or asking it it was like a class A EVP um, an EVP is an electronic voice phenomenon that is captured on digital recorders so it that was just incredible to catch um, and that was on his tour um, that basically they had set up throughout the ship. They had different paranormal investigators that you could work with. Um, Steve Gonzalez, from, um, he's on Ghost Nation now. He used to be on Ghost Hunters. And he was really forward in saying that he doesn't have any sensitivities. But he asked the group that I was going around touring with, and he said, does anybody have sensitivities? And people were raising their hand, pretty much everybody in our group. And some people were medium, some people were psychic. Some people said they could feel or hear them, um, or, or they know they're there in some way, I guess you could say. And the equipment just kind of helps verify it or bring back proof to show other people. And he was honest. He had no abilities, he said. He says he solely has to, re, um, to um, use the equipment to get any kind of communication. So I found that was fascinating that there are some people that don't have sensitivities. Um, but I think a lot of the other um, investigators do have something to an effect where they know something's there. You can feel it. You know, they talk about the goosebumps on your on your arms going up. You know there's something there. But um, the equipment helps validate that you're feeling something. Um, I also bought a millimeter recently. And um, because of the virus shutting things down, I haven't been able to use it yet. But um, it basically will... Um, check and see if there's an electronic field that might happen, like a spike. And it also text, um, uh, detects temperature at the same time, too. And that's on a lot of the shows, too. But a lot of this equipment, um, you can get an EVP reader. Um, it's used a lot for, um, for, or I guess you could say EMF reader, which is for electronic fields, for um, checking for electrical uh, 
electrical um, wiring in the walls. That's originally what it's for. So an electrician could go through and see if there's like um, any kind of wiring there. They can locate it. But it's being used now for ghost investigating or just trying to do ghost or spirit communication too because um, a ghost can show it's there by just being near it. So... And, and setting it off. Hi, Tiffany. Mm-hmm. Uh, hello? Um, this is Dred Curry. I was just had a quick question. I hey, watched sure. quite a bit of the um, Ghost Hunters and other Ghost Adventure shows. Um, I'm not exactly into them, but my mother-in-law loves them. I was just wondering how accurate that type of show is to what you do. Um. I, I wanted to, from watching all those shows, I wanted to kind of go out and see, you know, if I could do it, number one. Um, I've also learned a lot from just going out and doing it myself. And I'm finding that once you get the equipment in your hands and start using it, you also have to start learning how to use the spirit box. And I, I was just um, watching uh, Huff Paranormal, which is, uh, he's a, uh, I'm trying to remember his first name. I think it's Steve Huff. Um, he actually uses spirit boxes, and he um, does uh, YouTube videos that you can watch. And he says that it's the person who, who works the box helps their energy helps give the spirit energy to communicate through the box and then manip- manipulate it. It, it works kind of like an AM/FM radio. And so mm-hmm. it sweeps through the different frequencies, and then they can manipulate it. But I, you can you can see it on TV being used, right? But when you actually use it, when I'm when I'm using it, I can kind of feel a drain. And I oh. I also yeah, which was interesting that I could feel a drain, and I started to feel kind of like lethargic, and I didn't have any energy all of a sudden. And that's when a voice came through. And so I went, oh, well, he was right, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, it's it's kind of different when you're, you, when you see it on TV, you're just seeing it. You're not feeling it. You're not experiencing it. And so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to see, okay, can I do this? Can I use some of these devices to help my own communication? And I'm finding that for me, the spirit box is working probably better than the digital recorder. I haven't really picked up any EVPs yet except the one that was with Nick. But his, it was his recorder, though. And um, one of the things I researched is that the older Panasonic recorders had more metal all around them, and the newer ones mm-hmm. tend to have more plastic. And I'm, I'm wondering whether the more metaled ones work better. Um, some some investigators say um, the more expensive Panasonic work better because they're more sensitive. So they're not quite. What I've found from my research is I'm I'm not quite sure what would make it better. It I mean it could be me like um, Huff says that maybe it has to do with the person who's holding the equipment too with your interactions with the spirit. Um, that that could be also part of the connection. Wow. So it. That's incredible. So I found, I guess it's in a way that I wanted to present what the equipment was and say, hey, try this with some of your spirit um, communication and see how it works for you. And it's really easy to find. I pretty much bought most of it either off of Amazon. There's also um, other ghosts, I guess you could say. There, There's um, people out there who actually make the equipment 
and you can search around and get different deals depending on who you buy it from. I I did have to go, I think if I remember, I went to a website um, for a person that does make equipment to get the mail meter. But the um, the digital recorder, the EMF um, meter, I just bought off of Amazon. And the Spirit Box also is available on Amazon, too. And the SB7 Spirit Box tends to be the one preferred by most um, investigators or paranormal investigators. And then I got a night vision camera um, because I found that uh, when, you're, when you're doing everything, recording it is also important because sometimes you'll miss something in the moment. And so when you play it back, you're like, oh, I know what that person like the voice that came through on the spirit box was the word machines. But when it was happening to me, I was being drained. I, I was kind of getting a little lethargic. So it was harder for me to understand because I wasn't quite sure what was happening because I, I could feel the drain. But when I played it back, I went, oh, um, the, they said machines. We had actually been asking about them to help us. We were saying, hey, spirits, we're learning how to um, communicate with these devices. Help us do that. And so it's interesting what you get back through the actual box. And um, sometimes when you record it with your night vision camera or whatever recording, um, either whether it's a digital recorder, I, we use that too when we're in some of the cemeteries, um, that way you can play it back and see what you might have missed in the real time when it was happening. That all sounds fascinating. I definitely want to try some of those out. Um, Tommy yeah, Fairchild, are you I... with us there? Yes. Okay, yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't... Hey, <laughs> I wanted to ask I'm you sorry. For, um, what you have to share about uh, spirit communication. Would you like to tell okay. our listeners a little about yourself and tell us your take on spirit communication? Sure. Well, my name is Tommy Starchild. I'm a spirit worker and a witch and an initiate of the Anderson Fairy tradition. And I was born with my fairy companions that go by the name of Sims and also gifted with spirit sight and come from a family uh, of a uh, long family of conjure workers. And it worked as a teacher, presenter, published uh, writer, artist, and have been working in uh, the realm of, of witchcraft and things for 20, about 28 years, 15 years as a fairy initiate and 11 years um, doing this work professionally. And then for the past nine years, I've been currently uh, an apprentice in the House of Brie Fairy Seership Institute with Orion Foxwood. And so from this background, I, I have uh, a bit of a, well, it's kind of a personal take, I guess. It's, um, I find a lot of this work to be uh, quite personal in that each individual's experience, their connection um, varies greatly upon the individual. So seeing um, spirits of, of those that have crossed, seeing, feeling spirits that were never human, um, having prophetic dreams, being woken up in the middle of the night by um, spirits, again, that were, were not human, um, was something that was common as my childhood. Uh, and I was raised Baptist, so the, the church, you know, did their part in teaching that my reality was not real. And when I got into formal study in, in witchcraft, began to accept and open back up to what had always been real for me. And so as working in these past 11 years, 
um, as a spiritual counselor and spirit worker, um, one of the things that I dipped into was that natural ability to connect with um, spirits of, of ancestors, of, of people I work with, my own ancestors, working with Sims, my fairy companions, who are kind of my go-between that communicate with those um, on the, the other side of the veil or have crossed over or you said also um, spirit beings. And, and so it's a symbiotic relationship. Um, and so they help to com- um, bridge that communication um, and, and help me to hear messages and things uh, from the other side. Do you feel that these abilities are inborn or is it something that you feel like anybody can develop these skills to be able to communicate with the spirit world? I, I think the answer there is, is yes. Um, I would say it's both um, uh, there's a born um, ability um, for some folks and some folks is certainly uh, a learned ability. I think everyone has the potential um, and a lot of it is being able to move past the, um, the addiction to our five senses. Our brain is, is just a motherboard. It's processing data. And our five senses are sending that data to our brain, and our brain is validating that those are valid data ports. Um, but beginning to do this kind of work is saying that there's another sense, whatever that sense may be, whether, um, however that, that sense may be coming in. For me, it's, it's um, the best way to describe it is perception. And I may say I see or I hear, but I'm perceiving um, what I, I translate as an image, or I'm perceiving what I translate than as a sound. Um, and it's beginning to exercise that data port, telling the brain that that's valid information, and, and then working with that to open that up. It's like isolating a muscle and then working that muscle out. Right. So there's things we can do to become more sensitive to the world of spirits. And um, Drake Fury, how do you feel about that? What would you suggest for people to become more sensitive to the world of spirits or, you know, um, tap into these things in different ways? Um, honestly, I would believe, I'd personally believe that there's a great deal of needing not necessarily a coven, but a group that you can trust to be around and, like, feel comfortable enough to be, like, be able to relax in Many people believe in Alpha State. Uh, I believe it's the Lori Cabot, um, Third Eye kind of thing. And um, in the Alpha State, it's also Brainwave, where it's um, the, basically the most relaxed you can be while still being awake. But with Alpha, we it's basically you have to practice getting there and train yourself into, um, uh, let's see, the right state. Sometimes people use herbs or incenses. I personally do occasionally have a drink, which is counterintuitive for some, a drink or a tiny bit of uh, medical marijuana just to help <laughs> myself. But like, um, it, my process is different because I'm not exactly sure what my the term for me would be. I know I'm a witch and I'm apprenticing under Michael, but I not familiar with the um, the full meanings of the terms for like psychic clairvoyant medium and so on. I do believe in ghosts and 
I've seen spirits. I believe we had a discussion last time I saw you about the time I saw my grandfather, who's been passed on for about, um, let's say, 10, 20 years, and he was getting upset with my aunt. Clear as day, it was last year. There's no way he was there, but it was clear it was him. So that's kind of an example of what happens or what I do. Hmm. So I want to ask this. That brings up a good question. Like people talk about ghosts and spirits in different ways, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people describe when you see like an apparition of a ghost or, you know, like the physical phenomenon of it. Um, some people theorize that that's just kind of like that that's not really the spirit there, that it's more like an echo or after effect and but then at the same time when we're doing like spirit communication rituals it indeed feels like we're tapping into you and connecting with spirits of the dead even though you might not you know have the same ghostly type phenomenon that you might at other times it's walking into a place and you you instantly get chills and all that so um tiffany what do you think about that what's your take on that is there a difference between spirits and goats but what are these Um, I'm not quite sure myself what the difference would be, except maybe that a ghost is more um, earthbound as opposed to a spirit that can go back and forth between the planes. That maybe when when somebody's died, like a relative, they can come back and communicate and then go back onto the um, higher plane. But a ghost is more uh, earthbound and maybe stuck here. I think that's the biggest difference I've seen in other what other paranormal investigators talk about and in most books that I've read about paranormal investigating too. Um, I would agree how with about that. you, Tommy? What's your opinion of that? Um, you, I think uh, my my take on it because I, I I do a lot of work with with the dead, um, and and so a lot of my experience has has come from um, what information I've been given uh, in doing that work and. I think it's it's complicated. I think there are ghosts that are essentially sort of a recording of a time and space, an energetic intensity um, that left sort of a recording that kind of loops, um, and and you see an image that maybe doesn't have an interaction um, with anyone on the physical plane, um, but may show as an aberration, and it continues to do like the same carries out the same task or the same movement, same activity over and over, uh, and I think I kind of view those as sort of a recording. Um, there are also spirits that are, like what was previously said, uh, connected to uh, a space, a, a, an earthly physical space, and some of those may or may not be trapped from my experience. Um, some of them, I, I lived in a house in, in Phoenix where um, was haunted with the, the original owner, the woman, she had died in the house of old age, natural causes, but it was her, the, the house was her dream home. So when she passed, she never wanted to leave it. She loved the house. And once I figured out um, the complexity of what was going on and just sat down and told her how much I loved the house, then it became this back and forth relationship uh, and neighbors would come over and, and experience um, her as we would, would you know, party in the house, have fun and, and those things, as, as long as we were enjoying the space. So she was someone that was definitely not stuck, but she chose to remain um, energetically in the space that, that was her love in life. And I think there mm-hmm. are some, um, some ancestral spirits, um, meaning spirits that 
uh, were once alive that are stuck to a traumatic space and, and do engage um, on, on a conscious level. Um, and and not not just a recording, but maybe some sort of trauma or something that spirits that is is sort of stuck in that um, place where it didn't necessarily fully transition. Um, and it may have to do with whatever happened that that at the time of their death. And then those that um, have passed on that do keep a consciousness that is connected to their personality from when they were embodied. Um, their spirit does get to move on, even though there's a, 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 an ability to connect with the personality that was associated with the spirit that was embodied. And, and those are often um, what I work with or what, what people tend to engage when working with ancestral spirits, um, spirits of those who have passed that have that kind of conscious engagement or at least an interactive engagement. Yeah. Um, with Megan in my practice, we engage, we use a ritual called Save, which we did at Lightweavers up in Sacramento. <laughs> Among other places. We've done it a lot of places. Um, my, my teacher, Diana L. Paxson, uh, wrote the book on Save, literally. It's called Way of the Oracle. Uh, it's from Wiser Books. You can buy it at Lightweavers, among other places. Um, we have it. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, what SAVE is, really briefly, is we work within uh, the Norse cosmology, the Norse system, so Germany and Scandinavia. And in that system and with those that pantheon of gods, uh, we are lucky enough to have some real ancient lore. We have the Eddas. Um, you can read them. They're all online. Or you could buy a physical copy from Amazon or Lightweavers or many other places. Um, but but um, within that cosmology, we are very lucky to have basically maps. Um, uh, we, have, we have an idea where things are. And so when we do save, uh, one person who is part of our team uh, is the CRS. One person guides the journey. And uh, a lot of other people participate in, in um, less, less central roles. But what happens is we take a journey and we either go down to the well of weird, where, uh, where uh, we believe is, as, as heathens that our wisdom is stored, or we go down to hell where the dead are. And one great thing about going to hell and contacting the ancestors is that what we've found and what we have in our lore and, and the Eddas are over a thousand years old. I mean, this is this is stuff that's been around for a long time. Is the idea of soul parts, and so one of the things that Diane is always saying is that we have possibly more than one part to our soul, to our spirit. So if you encounter a ghost, you could be encountering one part of that person, and another part could be reincarnated into their family, into a new relative, or somewhere else in the world even, and another per part of that person could be in hell. And I don't mean that in the Christian sense. Our hell is 
simply the land of the dead. It's usually a good place. There is a bad neighborhood, but we don't hang out there. Um, (laughs) You know, most people down there are very, very helpful, and a lot of the ancestors that we communicate with, that we talk to when we're down there through the CRS, through the person who is in the chair, um, are, are really, really just very helpful and interested in sticking around to help people. So building off what you were saying earlier about uh, the woman stuck around because she wanted to be there. She wanted to be on Earth. She wanted to continue to talk to people, to help people, and be in a place she loved. That's what we get all the time in SAVE. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of the people, a lot of the ancestors we are able to contact. And when someone asks us to, to find a specific person, a lot of times we can. We can't always. But a lot of times when we do find that person, they're there, and they're not only more than willing, but uh, but quite talkative to to connect with their relatives or friends. Melanie, it's Victor. May I add? Absolutely. Uh, I concur with everything that the other members of the panel are saying. And I can address it from two perspectives. When I was seven years old, uh, as I had mentioned in the first hour talking about healing and spirituality, um, I was very close with my paternal grandfather, who was my spiritual, uh, first spiritual teacher. When I was seven years old, I was sitting and I was looking at a book or something, and I looked up, and my grandfather was standing there. This is in my uh, parents' apartment in New York. And uh, he smiled at me, didn't say a word. I said, Grandpa, what are you doing here? He didn't say a word, and then he sort of dissolved and, and disappeared. I went into the living room and I told my mother and father that grandpa was just here and they told me I was imagining things. And a couple of minutes later, the phone rang and it was the news that my grandfather had passed away. So he came to visit me and I never saw him again after that. So that was my first conscious experience of contacting uh, the spirit or the essence of a person after they transitioned. As a member of Paranormal NYC, uh, New York City Paranormal Investigation Team, um, what we, what I found in that regard is that if we found the essence of a, a spirit, of a person, a part of the soul, whatever you'd like to refer to, and, and I think everything is right. I think this is, we're talking about disembodied energy because the essence of who we are mm-hmm. is a form of energy. And that uh, the way I would contact it is I would feel it. I, I have, and I, I, again, I don't call myself a medium, but I have all the air, uh, all the clairs. I'm clairvoyant, clairsentient. Uh, Claire Audient, and I, I guess I call, I'm an egg Claire, I guess you could say, uh, because I have all those Claire's. And, 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 and in the process of doing the work, and the process of doing the work, if I, I can sense spirit, I sometimes see, but most of the time I hear and have conversations with spirit. And if they are there and they want to stay there, and that's their prerogative, then they stay there. And if they'd like assistance in crossing and completing the, the, the journey, whatever that journey might be, I will help them by talking and guiding them through that. In, in Paranormal NYC, our main objective was to help people feel comfortable in their homes. Whether we found something paranormal or not, we always left them feeling more comfortable. Nine out of ten times, it was not paranormal. It was something to do with plumbing. It was something to do with the electrical <laughs> wiring in the home. It was something to do with uh, a, quick, a quick example. We had a call from a gentleman who said he kept seeing things in his house and he kept getting ill and having allergies and feeling awful all the time. 
and uh, almost uh, to the sense that he was seeing things all over the house. And when we went to uh, to visit his home, the first thing I noticed, I looked up and there was a register, an air register on the ceiling and had a piece of cardboard taped over it. And I said, why do you have cardboard on there? And he said, because there are horrible smells that come out of the duct. I said, may I take it apart and take a look? And sure enough, when I took it apart, it was filled with fungus. It was filled with aspergillus, which will cause hallucinations, cause illness, cause respiratory effects. And and basically, we cleaned the duct out and told him his building was responsible for cleaning it out. And from that point forward, he had no problems. But one out of ten times, we will find spirit present in one form or another. And like I said, it's either it's spirit's choice, and we, we regard spirit as just as, as being a living person, except they don't have a body, mm-hmm. and you respect them the same way. Exactly. And that was the that was the principle of paranormal NYC. I retired from that a couple of years ago. Aww. May I speak um, with that? I I would like to say something about that. This is Susan. Hello. Absolutely. Hi. So, Victor, I I completely agree with you. In fact, you were you were speaking, and I'm going. He's going to say it's ergot, right? It's like I. Oh yeah, I know. It's like mold. Um, I live on a property here in uh, Wheatland, California, and this property has been um, lived in since like 1850. And so we have a lot of spirits here. I have learned to uh, make peace with them and deal with them. There are Chinese. Uh, because this was a uh, where they where the Chinese came to live here while they were building the railroads, which you know early on today the railroad went went right by the you know the train went right by. Um, I also have um, a lot of different um, um, other kinds of spirits. We have fey here. We have um, elementals here. So it's not just the dead. It is also other forms mm-hmm. of of energies and life and spirits that are here. And I, I don't use any kind of machinery uh, in order to, you know, access them, although that sounds really cool. Um, but sometimes you can photograph them. You can use just cameras. You can use your phone because it is the person doing the capturing of their essence if you are into it and you can Feel that energy, aim it where aim aim your your camera where you feel it, and you may be capturing something. I've done that, and it's kind of been amazing. But also, my my grandparents are still here. My my grandmother loved this property. Um, you know, like it, it was her dream home, um, and she she's not gone. And the way that we know she's not gone is because, you know, I'll say, Grandma, I would, you know, I, I really wish you were here, and um, it would be great if you could just make me some cookies. My, my, my roommate went in and made a bunch of cookies the other day, and I said, what are you making? He goes, well, I'm making chocolate chip cookies. I said, um, <clears throat> you're making Toll House cookies, and he said, what do you mean? I said, look, so I took out, I took out the, the, the bag of chocolate chips, and I said, these are the Toll House cookies that my grandmother always made why are you making them he says well i don't know i was just thought i should be making chocolate chip cookies is because i well because i had asked her to that i had asked for them the day before and she whispered in his ear and shows him how and recently uh her house has been um moved into by my business partner day and his boyfriend taylor which is a wonderful opening up and energetically 
crappy thing for the house. And I was, I was standing in front of the coffee pot, and I felt her behind me. I was going to make, a, I was going to make some coffee, and she said to me literally, "Here, let me do that." And I thought, okay, she's standing in her own kitchen, and she's behind me, wanting to help me make coffee. And I was, Julia was um, doing a live the other night, and I walked through the living room, and as I walked through, there was a warm place in in the home. And I stopped and I backed up and I said, is that you, Rexy? And it's like, yes, of course, it's my grandfather. They don't leave if they want to. And it's not something that is, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to, um, you know, use a, anything to know. I just know they are there. But like I said, there are lots of other ways to communicate and to know that they're there. I just, I have these feelings. I am also, I guess, an eclair like. Um, like Victor said, I, you know, I, I have Claire Steady and Claire Audience, Claire everything, but I, I don't really, I don't really use that. Um, maybe I should, but I just wanted to let you guys know, you know, they don't leave if they, if they, they just don't have a body, but they're still here, and they're nothing to be afraid Absolutely. of, or to, get, or to get, or to get rid of them. You know, people come to us all the time at Lightweavers and go, you know, my, my house is full of spirits. I went, well, did you, did you talk to them? Do you know their names? And they're like, well, I never thought to ask. I'm like, well, that would be like basically if someone living walked into your house, wouldn't you ask, who are you? To me, that's like, that's basic, and people are all afraid because they're dead, and they're like, well, get over that. But, you know, that's right. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, that brings to mind a question that I wanted to ask to Drake Fury. Drake, I was I'm curious if you, I know at my convention at the Mystical Mind Convention, you're planning to share about different easy tools that people can use for spirit communication. Can you speak on that for a minute and just tell our listeners out there if someone wanted to try, you know, and getting in touch with spirit. So, what are some simple tools that you can just you know make on your own, or just you know things you could do for what you what you've already. Um, I think most people start out with tarot cards or effects, or they read energies or auras. I'm not familiar with energies and auras. I know I can feel energy when people are more active, um, like angry or something like that, but it's I, it's not a clear what's going on. But um, I'd say tarot cards are first one as well as runes, and Easy is probably not a um, very good word because most of the tools aren't easy unless you have a good teacher. And um, some are self-explanatory. Tarot cards have instructions. Other things you basically have to figure out. But to speak on what I was going to be talking about specifically, I was going to have um, some black mirrors, crystal balls, um, uh, some fortune sticks that I learned about from... Pentacon, I believe the first year I went, the nation sticks. Also, um, a few other things, but uh, it's really I I don't know exactly how I explain how to use them. I know what there's what's supposed to be done, but everyone's different, and not everyone can do everything. I guess is an easy way to say no tool is really easy. Depending, it just depends on what your talents, your gifts, and what you're able to do. But, um, yeah, there there are quite a few. Um, I I know I don't know them all. I know there's also some English, more um, 
I don't believe I know the name, but there's a type of it's a fortune telling or not fortune telling clairvoyant or I'm not sure of the word. It's signed up kind of like a cross between tarot and um, runes. It's a I believe Tiffany Lacey was talking about it in a presentation a few years ago at Pantheon, and it was she gave out a free divination tool, but I don't remember what it was called. I, that probably helps no one, but it was a different thing than I had heard of, and I've heard or tried most I th- most ones I have access to. Would you be talking about the Druidome? Because I read those. It's the uh, it's the uh, Celtic tree oracle. Um, yes. It's spelled O D H A M. Yes. Yep. I read those. I have a set of ohm. I uh, I actually read some last night on the air. So that would be uh, what you're looking for. A really wonderful book uh, about the ohm is authored by Skip Ellison. And um, just Google O-G-H-A-M, ohm, uh, and Skip Ellison. And that's got two L's, E-L-L-I-S-O-N. And okay. uh, you should be able to hopefully track down a copy of his book. It's a wonderful book, and and it has a lot of research in it to explain the ohm. So, Tiffany, so you, you had shared with us about the different equipment that you can get to do kind of scientific investigation of spirits. So I was curious, King, is there any do-it-yourself equipment? Like could I use a regular, just ordinary recorder to capture EVP? Is there anything that you can kind of make yourself like that? Well, a lot of people use dowsing rods sometimes. Um, I've tried them in the past, and they don't really work for me. Um, but I know that, you know, everybody's going to kind of has to try what works for them, and I am I was finding that the spirit box was working really well. Um, there's some, like, when you do seances, some people, like um, he was talking about tarot cards or um, candles, Um, you know, when candles flicker. There was some use of flashlights on um, ghost hunters where they would, like, undo the the flashlight, and if it went on and off, that was the spirit manipulating it. But um, that's kind of either not been so proven to work as well um, or just, wasn't a really good, reliable way to communicate. Um, There's a lot of different people experimenting with a lot of different kinds of communication sources, like um, there's programs that you can download and then have them go through um, speakers, and we used that when we were doing the, um, uh, when we were on the Queen Mary, and we would pass around the speaker and then, the, it was like a programmed spirit box. It was like a spirit box, except it was on a laptop. So when you when I go to a lot of these conferences and talk to other paranormal investigators, one thing we do is we kind of share what works for us. So I would just go out and try a lot of different things and see what works for you. And it might also depend on whether you have sensitivity to things or not as well. Right. But, um, like Absolutely. I said, some of the classic some of the classic things like dowsing rods, um, some things can go back like 100 years that people have been using. You know, holding a seance and holding hands, maybe having a medium direct too. 
Um, but if you want interaction yourself, um, I'm finding that the equipment is almost like a validation of something that you already knew that you felt. And when I hear a voice come through the spirit box, I'm like, oh, well, I was feeling this certain thing or getting this kind of feeling like, um, you know, like my energy being drained and then a voice comes through, then I, I can make that connection, something's happening. And I'm, I'm just not, you know, I'm not imagining all this. Something is really there. So the equipment kind of helps with that kind of validation to, you know, what you already can feel yourself. Nice. Yeah. Tommy, I wanted to ask you, I'm Tommy Sturchall, do you have any, uh-huh. what are your tips for somebody that wants to investigate more of the spirit world? Um, what, what, what is your favorite method or what, what else do you have to share about how somebody could do this themselves? Um, one of the tools that I use just to, to check and make sure, like if I'm doing a mediumship service for, for someone to see if, if um, the ancestral spirit that they're seeking is present, um, I'll often use my pendulum and ask the person's name and, and just see if I get a yes or no if they're present. Um, but for me, one of the uh, most powerful tools that, that I learned, like I said, I came into this um, with a natural talent, um, but I did work with a mediumship development circle to um, help um, access and kind of grow the skill. One of the uh, primary tools that was was offered uh, in working with this group was confidence. Confidence in accepting what you're getting, whether it's it is the hairs on the on the back of your neck that raise, or whether it's a sensation of, of some sort on your skin, or hearing something, or maybe seeing. Having the confidence to accept what you're seeing is valid. Don't worry about right or wrong, um, but accepting that what you have experienced. Um, was valid and actually happened. Um, and exercising that confidence is like what I was saying, exercising that extra sense, like isolating the muscle. Um, and so if you see something from the corner of your eye, uh, I'm sure everyone's experience, if you look in the, in the dark, you see a, a dim spot of light out of the corner of your eye, but when you look at it, you don't see it. It's because the way the eye is mm-hmm. constructed, when there's a little light, and you look directly, it goes into your eye, and it doesn't hit as much photoreceptors as it will from the corner of your eye, where it bounces around and hits more photoreceptors. And it's the same thing for seeing, um, observing, or feeling spirits, whether they are ancestral spirits or um, beings that have never been physical. You get that movement or something, that sensation from the corner of your eye, but then you look directly, and you don't see anything. And so... Um, learning to accept that what I saw from the corner of my eye was valid. I accept what I saw. I might not know what it is, but I'll accept it. And the more you exercise that, you begin to exercise that part of your brain that says this is valid data, and you start picking up more and more things. Because otherwise the brain is taking in the information, but it's just not processing it. It's just dumping it as, as not valid information. Right. Victor, do you have anything to add about how you how somebody can tell if there's a spirit present? What are some of the ways that spirit manifests? 
Well, most paranormal teams, as others have discussed, are comprised of both people who work with the instruments, the scientific detection, the spirit boxes, uh, various types of meters for detecting energy fields, and then also uh, with people who have the gift of being able to be sensitive, whether they're considered to be mediums or like myself, I, I consider myself to be sensitive and empathic, but I don't call myself a medium. I think that's that's a whole separate category of folks. Um, what I found is that uh, when we would go in as a team, those who would use the instruments would find what they would find, and those of us who were sensitive would find what we would find and then would compare notes. Again, nine out of ten times, it wasn't anything of a spiritual nature. It was environmental or emotional. Uh, another mm-hmm. example of the environmental aspect was this was called into an apartment where these uh, kids kept uh, waking up and having nightmares and seeing things in their room. And uh, when I'm sensitive, I'm naturally sensitive to electromagnetic fields and electricity. And I felt the tingling when I was standing next to the bed that these kids were sleeping in. And we asked the mother, can we pull the bed away from the wall? And there was an outlet right behind it. And we uh, checked it, and I have a background in electricity, and uh, the co-founder of the Paranormal NYC, the founder, and my, my wonderful partner, brother Dom Villela, both of us have a background in electricity, and uh, pulled the thing off and checked it, and there was no ground on it. So there was free-floating voltage yeah. coming to the room, which was affecting these kids. We uh, actually created a ground wire and installed it for these people, and the kids had no more problems. So, so there's a number of aspects of looking at it, again, from the scientific way and the spiritual thing, and, and that's my thing. It's crossroads of spirituality and science. And I had mentioned earlier that I'd retired from active investigation. I will come out again if I'm called, if a child is involved and they're afraid. I will absolutely respond. Oh. That's great. It's so interesting to talk to everybody tonight and hear these different different takes on different aspects of spirit communication. Uh, Susan, I believe you, you you identify as a medium. Is that correct? Well, I am a medium, but I don't know that I identify as it. I've I've come to realize that that is what I do. It's been um, <laughs> I I realize now that I can. Um, access um, uh, spirits that hang out with people. Um, I I can I don't really see them because I made a deal. Uh, Victor talked about when he was seven years old. You know, some things happened. When I was seven, I uh, saw a ghost and I made a deal with them. I really didn't want to encounter them as seeing them anymore. And so what I do now is, you know, I, I probably could re, you know, relook at that contract, but I, I can, I do know what's going on. I am told what people need to hear. And um, sometimes it isn't what they want. You know, I'm like, Oh God, do I really like, you know, let them know. But my method is, um, a little bit different. I create a, a safe place in the astral. Um, it is called time bridge meditation. Um, it is uh, just the time bridge will take you from wherever you are to wherever you need to be and allow you to talk to um, spirits, guides, ancestors, um, people you know, with bodies and without bodies, um, off planet, on planet. And that's my that is what I have come to learn that that is what I do. That is my mediumship. I connect people 
I connect people with spirit, people with even former selves, future selves, because I don't believe in time. And that is, that's what I do. Susan, I think we were both dropped off by the same mothership. I think so, honey. <laughs> we ought to have, you know, I think we ought to get together and have longer conversations because I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah, that's what I said, my grandfather. I know. We need an ET panel. <laughs> I know. Well, we were <laughs> my grandfather, Rex, you know, he goes, well, they'll, you know, they dropped us off, Susan. They'll be back for us someday. And I'm like, yeah, Rexy, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and here we are. We picked up again. So, yes, thank, thank you so much for inviting all of us together. I I feel so honored to to meet all these people and realize I already know some of them. That's pretty cool. So, you know, let's, yeah. let's continue. Let's continue being, you know, being together and, and doing some things. Yeah, yeah everybody has so um, much to bring. Something that uh, you just said, Susan. Uh, really spoke to me about making a deal when you were seven. Um, yeah. Mine happened a little earlier. I was about five, and I, I've always, always had ghosts. I've always yeah. been um, able to communicate with the dead. It doesn't happen all the time. Like you were saying, Victor, nine out of ten, it's something normal. It really is. Nine out of ten, it's something normal, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's the dead. And, uh, and, and I was really creeped out seeing ghosts, so I made a deal. It's like, I don't want to see you because that freaks me out. I think you're alive, and then I'm not sure, and, you know, I don't want to do that, but I'll listen to you and talk to you if I don't have to see you. And, right. um, you know, I, I have seen a few ghosts since then, but it's like something that's happened maybe three times since then but talking yeah that happens at least several times a year <laughs> that's awesome we use dowsing rods if we ever need to find a ghost or two yeah well no we've never used them for ghosts we, uh, we do use dowsing rods our dowsing rods are by an artist by the name of don simpson he used to vend at pantheacon every year but now that pantheacon is out of business uh, Melanie, if you're looking for vendors, when we finally do get through this mess and are able to do the physical con, I, I highly recommend him. He he makes some really beautiful jewelry. He makes some dowsing rods and some drinking horns and lots of other fun stuff. Um, but uh, I've I've used dowsing rods a lot of times to uh, find water, um, although that was more when I was on the East Coast. In California, it's a little harder to find water. Um, but but um, also to point to living people or find objects. Dowsing rods are great if you lost your keys in your house because you can talk to them and you take the rods in your hand and you say, okay, show me where my keys are. Show me where my keys are. You know, and you have to kind of coax them for a while. Um, And not every tool works for every person. That's very much true. But if you if you do work with dowsing rods or do try them, and I recommend that you do, they're a nice tool to have in your toolkit. Um, just keep coaxing them, and eventually they will point to what you're looking for. Um, I haven't used them to point to ghosts, but I certainly could. Well, I just want to thank everybody so much for being on tonight. It's been wonderful. 
talking to you all, and I look forward to getting together in person at the Mystical Minds Convention. Any of our listeners out there tonight, if you want to connect with any of the guests that have been on tonight, find out more information about the Mystical Minds Convention, please go to mysticalmindsconvention.com, and you can connect with everyone you've heard on here tonight and the past two nights, and learn more about our convention and sign up for updates for when we actually get to have it. Ed, I want to thank you again for having us on tonight. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for hosting us Thank you. It was nice. Thank you. you. And we'll we'll talk about more of it. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, everyone. Bye. 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 Long and prosper. Blessed be, everybody. Blessed be. Yes, may the wind be at your back. (laughs) And you've been listening to a special broadcast of the Pegasus Tonight Radio Network. Thank you, blessed be, and be safe. That would wake on, Joanna. I don't know. Doesn't want to have to do it every day, but, you know, I'm good. Is this nice on computer out here? Yeah, it is.